Hello and welcome to Prosperity by the Pint. This is episode 22. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. Ah, you know the rest by now. I'm a self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. This week, I'm taking a break from my Texas beers. And from Georgia, homemade in LaGrange, Georgia, I'm having Wild Leap Brewing Company, which I've had a few of these. A friend of mine sent me uh, sent me a bunch of Wild Leap beers. I am having American Cherry, Cherry Pie Ale, which is kind of, kind of out there in left field. But I will tell you, of desserts, pie is my favorite. And of beverages, beer is right up there with bourbon. So let's have a taste. Um, I don't know. I do not, I don't know that I really taste any cherry in that. Maybe it needs a cherry garnishment. I don't know. We'll get back to that. We'll get back to the beer. This week's episode is about bad financial advice, which is everywhere. So I I have to start out with advice from the finance industry, um, which is financial advisors and marketing companies and uh, financial pundits. First off, it's a very low barrier to entry to call yourself a financial advisor. Study for a week or two, take a test, uh, and you can call yourself a broker or financial advisor and open up shop and start, you know, charging people to advise on their their life savings. It's absurd, really, but that's that's the barrier to entry. With that low of a barrier to entry, there's no no argument that you're going to end up with either bad actors or bad advisors, right? So the because the barrier of entry is so low, even when getting information from a financial advisor, broker, uh, whatever it may be, you you do need to check the quality and credibility of, of that person. I need to check the quality and credibility of this beer as well because I do not taste any damn cherry. Okay, there it is. It was there on the second sip. So sometimes the advice is good the second time around. No, but it's a really low barrier to entry. So my suggestion when getting advice from a financial advisor is you really need to check their credentials. Uh, years of experience matter. Credentials matter just as much. So for instance, as you know, I'm a certified financial planner, which is uh, is a designation. It's well known. It's very difficult to get. Uh, only uh, it's not all financial advisors have it. I also have a chartered financial consultant designation and a certified investment management uh, analyst. Those are all extracurricular educational requirements that I have done in order to make sure that the advice that I am giving is credible because for Bryce Carter to become a household name is a long road. So my only chance against household names is to become better and more educated, which is what I've tried to do with those uh, educations and, and that education and designations. So then there's the financial pundits and the entertainers. And some of these have questionable qualifications. So I was at a uh, conference a couple years ago, and it was in beautiful uh, Palm Springs, which was a, a great place to go. I think I have a few listeners in the Republic of California. But anyways, I was in Palm Springs. I'm at this conference. And InvestNet. InvestNet is a financial advisor, turnkey asset manager. They're, they're a platform for financial advisors. Uh, really well known. Trillions of dollars they administer. And their chief market strategist, 
got up and spoke about how optimistic he was about the markets and how uh, how valuations were fair and um, how this sector and that sector was uh, attractive at the current time. It was extremely, extremely plausible that he was 100% correct. He was an extremely credible person, very well educated, um, all the designations and a very important role and all the resources to give a credible presentation. Short while later, I think it was the next morning, Fidelity gave a presentation. It was some sort of chief market strategist there. Again, super educated, very credentialed, very well qualified, and all the resources that he could need. And his market opinion could not have been more different than the investment guy. So who's right? You have two really smart people, both very credible, with a lot of resources, and who's right? Neither one of them. <laughs> In the sense that I say, they can say it, they can say, I think the market's going to do this or this with all definitive, with all definitiveness in their voice. It doesn't make it true. It makes it their opinion. And when it comes to markets, opinions don't matter. Results do. And so the results will end up showing themselves over time. But the fact of the matter is they were selling a story and it was their story. And it doesn't mean that it's the right thing. And the same thing when you turn on CNBC or Fox Business News or Yahoo Finance and you see an article that the market's going to do this, this, or this, they are selling you a story. I don't know why they're selling it. It could be for a different reason each time, but they're selling you a story. So you have to look at that stuff through a veil, through a questionable veil. So that's keeping out for bad financial advice from either financial advisors, brokers, uh, insurance agents, and financial entertainers and uh, commentators and pundits. You got to be careful with that. Take everything with a grain of salt. So the other thing I see a lot of is financial advice based on personal experiences. Well, personal experiences is just that. They're personal, right? Like my personal experience with this beer is that it only tastes mildly like cherries. It's not a cherry pie beer. It's kind of a cherry pie beer, but it's not dramatic enough for me. But when you when you look at these personal financial stories, just because somebody writes a story on how to become a millionaire by 30 does not make them credible on your financial situation. For instance, if they're making $400,000 a year as a single person living in an apartment that's low cost living and they're 24 years old, it may be really, really possible for them to become a millionaire by 30. If you're 27 and you make 40 grand a year, I got news for you. You're probably not going to be a millionaire by 30. I don't want to dampen your dreams. I just want to tell you the facts. So personal finance stories are good if that person is very, very similar to you. So you got to be very careful reading personal finance stories without knowing the story behind the story. That What I mean by that is it's a personal story and their situation and circumstances could be drastically different than yours, which means you may not actually be getting good advice for you. So think about that. Now, some of the worst financial advice that you need to avoid. So you know where to avoid it from. You know to avoid it from questionable pundits, entertainers, anybody saying things definitively. Uh, there are no absolutes in finance other than the fact that there is no absolutes um, in bad financial advisors. You know the, the, the sources. There's one more source you got to be very, very careful about because they have your best interests at heart. They really do, but they probably don't know what the hell they're talking about, and that's your friends and family. If your friends and family are not in the finance industry, and even some cases if they are, a lot of times you have a false perception of their credibility. 
Maybe your uncle has always been there for you. He's always been a really good guy. And his name is Uncle Ricky, for example. And Uncle Ricky's always been there for you, and he's really credible, and he knows how to fix a car better than anybody else. And he says things truth, truthfully, straight to the point. He may be really convincing when he says, well, I didn't bother with that 401k business. I just bought gold. That doesn't mean it's good financial advice. He might have your best interest at heart. He's not maliciously trying to sell you gold, but it doesn't mean Uncle Ricky knows what the hell he's talking about, right? So your friends and family, I'm sure they're great people, and I'm sure that they have good intentions, but they probably don't know what the hell they're talking about. So be very careful when taking financial advice from people that are friends or family that are not credible. You can check credibility a lot of different ways, um, but close your eyes, imagine what their bank account looks like, and that's probably a good start. <laughs> or ask them about the mistakes they made. People that are willing to share their financial mistakes are probably somebody you might find a little bit more credibility in. For instance, if Uncle Ricky says, the reason I don't have a credit card is because in my 20s, I racked up credit card debt. It was the worst financial mistake I ever made. That's probably good advice. Uncle Ricky saying, I didn't participate in my 401k because I thought the market was too volatile. So I just bought gold, which has only gone up. That's one, not true, but two, not credible advice, right? So check your source. All right. Now, specific pieces of advice that I find are particularly bad. Markets are too risky. Don't invest in markets or the stock market is a scam or investing involves too much risk. So I'm just going to put my money under the mattress. These, I find that the people that don't understand markets are the ones that are most afraid of risk. And so I, I have a very big problem with markets are too risky to invest in. Uh, there are circumstances where you don't want a subset of money in the market because of short-term cash needs, et cetera. For instance, you don't want the money that you're going to you know, pay your bills with tomorrow to be in the market. But to say markets are too risky or too much of a scam to invest in for the long term, that's hokey. That's, that's baloney. Don't listen to it. As Warren Buffett once said, Markets are an extremely efficient tool for transferring wealth from the impatient to the patient. Markets are an extremely efficient tool for transferring wealth from the impatient to the patient. It's my favorite Warren Buffett quote. Uh, another bad piece of uh, financial advice. If you buy something on sale, you're saving money. Bullshit. You spent money right? If you buy something for 10% off, if you buy a $100 product for 10% off, so you only pay $90, guess how much money you saved? Negative $90. Saving because there's a sale is not saving money. It's spending money. Uh, Co-signing a loan or a lease is okay. That is not true. It's not true at all. I had some friends rent a, uh, this is in college. Um, I was in college they were not, but uh, I ran a house uh, on a lake and they all co-signed the loan. They line, signed it together. Let's just say it was $2,000 a month and there's four of them. It was one loan, one, one lease agreement with, for a $2,000 note with each one of their names attached to it. Well, guess what happened when one guy moved out and said, screw you guys, I don't care. Uh, and all of a sudden now the three of them are responsible for the $2,000. Guess what happened when another one moved out? And now all of a sudden, the two remaining in the house are responsible for the $2,000. And then guess what happened when the one that was left with a job, because the other one lost their job. Now one person was responsible for a $2,000 note because they were the only ones that cared about their credit and still had a job. So 
don't put your name on any other loan or obligation or lease agreement or whatever it may be and other than your own responsibility. So if I'm signing a lease agreement, it's it's I'm the only one responsible for coming up with the money, okay? Not me and my buddy, okay? Because otherwise you end up in a circumstance where you could end up being responsible for something twice as large as what you anticipated. Don't co-sign for a loan or a lease. I give one exception to this rule, and that is parents that are co-signing a student loan for college. I'm not saying it's right to do all the time. I'm just saying it might be okay to do some of the time. Uh, take out a line of credit to invest on your home. So taking out a line of credit on your home in order to put that equity in the stock market is almost always a bad idea. For a very young person with a fully paid off mortgage, there may be some circumstances where this is a good idea. But the problem is where I see it is older people, nearly retired people that have their home paid off. Oh my God, what a relief. You finally got, I can't put the, I can't put a dollar amount on the peace of mind of having you owning your home, truly owning it, free from any any mortgages. Why in the world would you want to then mortgage it out to put it in the market? There's a time and place for taking investment risk. And when you are older in life, retired, investment risk on your home is not the time or place for that. Buying too much house. So I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Amir Bali and talked about how much they're allowed to lend to, which it's legal to do, but it does not mean if you're able to get approved for a $400,000 mortgage, you should probably only buy a $250,000 house. Too much house debt, being house poor. I see this probably, the only thing I see more often than this is people crippled by student loan debt. Too much house, being house poor is a huge problem. And that's just in Michigan. I can only imagine how house broke the people in the People's Republic of California are. I mean, it is just crazy to me to think that people are, are, are borrowing 50% of their of their debt to income ratio is their home. You still got to pay for food, a vehicle, transportation, uh, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. There's, so be responsible when it comes to getting approved for a mortgage, especially the first time around. I'm still making my mind up on this beer. I don't know if I like it or not. Listen, here's the deal. Your personal financial decisions are your own. You got to own them. You got to live with them. You have to, you gotta, you're going to be the one that's responsible for your own mistakes, right? So when you're making big financial decisions, try to learn from other people's mistakes. Do your research. Uh, fact check credibility on, on different resources that you're getting advice from. It's your finances. You need to take ownership of it because, you know, your mom and dad aren't going to be there to bail you out. Your company is not going to be there to bail you out. And your government's not going to be there to bail you out. I mean, we're not a big bank after all. We don't get bailouts. So when it comes down to it, check your sources when it comes to financial advice because bad financial advice is everywhere. And the purpose of this podcast is to improve financial literacy, give you guys uh, a good, reliable resource for different financial topics. That's why we want you to reach out. We want you to send us a message saying, hey, talk about this. What about this? You can get a hold of us at Prosperity by the Pine on Facebook. You should be able to find us. Send us a message if you've got a question. I'd be happy to share your question, your idea, your topic on the show. Thanks and cheers. Oh, don't forget to subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, plus YouTube and Facebook. Cheers. Cheers.